Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to our 30th attempt at opening this <laughs> podcast. Hope you guys are all doing well. Welcome to the Real World Podcast, a podcast between a mother and a son, a boomer and a millennial, and we're here to discuss real world issues and talk about how they relate to our lives, especially as they impact our lives in the church. Absolutely. I am Brian. And I am Bobby. Oh. Nice to meet you, Brian. <laughs> Wait a minute. I met you a long time ago. I thought your name was something different. <laughs> We're so silly. Are we? I'm, yeah. I'm being serious right now. Oh, okay. I thought your name was uh, Lakeisha. Oh, nope. It's not. It's oh. Bobby. I was named after my daddy, even though I had two older brothers. Figure that one out. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, I know. Very I strange. mean, the name very much fits you, but. Oh, cool. Yeah. Like, I wouldn't want you to have your name not be Bobby. That'd be weird. <laughs> it would be. It would be. Well, today, we are talking about King David. Yeah, I'm excited about that. Uh, some of you, maybe, who are our listeners, may be wondering, like, who is King David? Uh, for those of you who don't know, King David is a king of Israel. He is talked about in First and Second Samuel, as well as First Kings and First Chronicles. I'm not sure if he's talked about in Second Chronicles or not. He may, might be. He is... <clears throat> Let me just say that he is the most frequently me- mentioned human in the Old Testament and the second most frequently mes- mentioned human in the entire Bible. Only Jesus Christ is mentioned more. And he's the oh, main yeah. character in the Old Testament books of First Samuel, Second Samuel, First Chronicles, and Second Chronicles. All right. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, and he was a king. He was a king. He was the king after Saul. After God said, yo, Saul, you're being a little too sinful right now. I'm going to need you to step down. Mm-hmm. And then he said, yo, David, mm-hmm. I got you. I'll make you, I'll make you the new king. Mm-hmm. But but that whole, um, <laughs> when it first happened, though, it was kind of interesting. You know, like how he was selected because he was only, what, like 14 or something like yeah, that. Yeah, he was a young man. He, he was, was a young shepherd. He was probably boy. a teenage boy. Mm-hmm. Probably just hitting puberty. Mm-hmm. And that's actually one of the best passages, uh, simply because it. One of the things we don't have to actually often think about is uh, that in conjunction with the story of Goliath. The story of Goliath was right after David was chosen as king. Right, right, and and but but you know I think about like the song "The Sling and a Stone," and I think about how. You know, when he was selected, nobody believed that he would be the king because he was the youngest of either seven or eight brothers. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, he apparently wasn't much to look at, and he was still a boy. Yeah. And uh, apparently he had brothers that were much more masculine and manly. Yeah. And describes, scripture even describes them as attractive. Mm-hmm. So, like, imagine how good-looking someone was to be for the Bible. Says, like, yeah, they were good-looking. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but not David, but, but his brothers. David. Right, right. Yeah, so I thought that was kind of interesting when I was doing this research. I, I just didn't recall that. Um, I, I guess I wasn't thinking about him being a boy, right? And, like, he had to convince them that he was the right. It was Samuel, right? That was, or, yeah, it was Samuel. He had the convince Samuel that even though Samuel had been talked, you know, the Lord spoke to Samuel, but like he kind of felt like he had to justify being selected king and that he was Mm -hmm. like a strong boy. Yeah. No. What? What do you mean? 
see, he had to reassure them that when he had David, killed lions and bears. Yeah, for Goliath. That's not in the same passage. No, I didn't say we were talking about the same passage. I'm just talking about when he was selected. Yeah, but it's not as king. Those passages are related narratively, but it's not one continuous passage. I didn't say it was. I wasn't well, well, talking about that. I was just my whole point was to just say that David wasn't like the he didn't appear to be the naturally selected person to be king based yes. upon outer appearances. But we know that the Lord looks at the heart, yes. right? And, yeah. And he was selected, and so he felt, because he already knew that, that what other people were saying about him, like his older brothers and so forth, and so he felt like he had to justify you know, being selected as king and saying, you know. He, he had, I think you're confusing us. I'm not. He had to do that when he was fighting Goliath. He never had to do that for his kingship. Okay. That's that. Yeah. That's not what I was reading, but whatever. Either way. I mean, the <laughs> bottom line was that he had to justify himself in terms of who he was. And I think you're right. I think I did get the stories mixed up. But regardless, the whole point was he was not someone that you would maybe on the outer um, surfaces that you wouldn't, he wouldn't be the one that you would think would be picked. You know, because yeah. he was he was a boy still, just part you know, partly boy, partly man kind of thing. He was a teenager, and and um, but he he was a shepherd, and sometimes people don't realize. You know, you've got to be um, courageous as a shepherd because you do have wild animals that come out yeah. to try to take your sheep, and you so have to fight off wild animals. He said that he killed a bear, he killed uh, a lion, and. Yeah. Which is honestly pretty, that's pretty that, cool. That's for like pretty tough, right? Think about a 14-year-old that did that. So, uh, yeah, yeah, pretty awesome. But go ahead. Go ahead, Brian, before I rudely interrupted you. Uh, I mean, I don't remember where I was at. Okay, sorry. We were just I talking have, about who was king I have a habit of doing that. That's okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was, <laughs> so the part of the reason I was, like, disagreeing with you about David justifying himself was, I think it's actually important to say why David wasn't justifying himself. Like he wasn't, he didn't feel the need to ever justify himself as king. As king, he didn't feel because the he need. was chosen by God. Yes, yeah, he was. Yeah. He was literally anointed for it. That I, uh, yeah, and it's my bad. I was just thinking that at the po- time that he was appointed, that he was trying to justify his actions to other people. But it was when he was going to fight Goliath. Yeah, he felt the need to, you know, elaborate on his strength and. You know, courageousness. Yeah, and courage. And, 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 and there is a really important part to that, and because David did need to defend himself, because all these young men or all these warriors are frightened of Goliath, and then this fourteen-year-old right. comes up to him and says, "Yeah, I'll take him on." Right, right. And, and they're, they're like, like yeah, what, are right. you, "What are you going to do? We're a bunch of grown men. <laughs> right. We've got weapons. Right. We're an army. What are you going to do?" And he's like, "Bro, I've killed some bears. Mm-hmm. I've killed some lions. Mm-hmm. I'm a shepherd." Like, you think he actually said it like that too? Like, yeah. Hey, bro, I. If yeah. he didn't, I'll be disappointed. <laughs> That's in the Brian translation. Okay, awesome. Uh, and so part of it is thinking about who is King David and then why is King David important. And I think there are two significant parts to why he's important and they're connected. Mm-hmm. Scripture calls David as a man after his own heart. We see after that mentioned. After God's own heart. After God's own heart, sorry, mm-hmm. yes. Not after his own heart, because that would be kind of weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Thank so you, yes. David 
was a man after God's own heart. And we see that mentioned explicitly three times in Scripture. First okay. is in First Samuel thirteen fourteen, okay. when God is talking to Solomon, and Saul, God pretty much tells Saul, uh, not uh, not Solomon, Saul, that hey, you're going to lose your kingship because you're being sinful. I'm going to give it to a man who's after my heart. Mm. And then there's again in First Samuel sixteen seven where Samuel saw his oldest brother Eliahu saw David's oldest brother Eliahu, and he was going to anoint Eliahu as king. And God said, like, yo, just you're not going to anoint Eliahu. Like, you think he's attractive and he's good-looking mm-hmm. and that he has all the errors of royalty. Right. But that's also what we thought about Saul. Right. You're going to anoint a younger brother. Mm-hmm. And he, it means because he is at my, after my own heart. And so I look at the heart and man looks at man looks at the outward appearance. And isn't that reassuring to you out there? It's like it's reassuring to me because when you know that the Lord looks at the heart, not on the outer appearance, because the world looks at the outer appearances. And when we think about how we're judged in this world, we're judged on our outer appearances. And oh yeah, and it's I think sometimes that leads to a lot of trouble for people because of that because we're still living in this world. It's it's a challenge sometimes because of of that and um but we know that the lord looks on on the heart and so we have to always remind you know remind ourselves of that um that we can do anything be anybody that he wants us to be because it's not based upon what others think it's based upon what he thinks and what he knows and what he's willed for us to do that's good uh, the other third passage, real quick, was yeah. Acts thirteen twenty two. Sorry, it's didn't okay. realize you hadn't said it. I thought you did, but it's sorry. Okay. <laughs> that's a good. That's that's the one that's most explicitly mentioned. Okay, where Paul is talking about David, and he says David was a man after God's own heart. Mm. Where he actually connects multiple, he quotes multiple passages together as one unit of thought. Mm. You know, I really didn't know until I did the research for this that he was the second most mentioned person in the Bible. Yeah, like, I mean, I, it makes sense. But I just never thought about it before. He's mentioned at least once in half the Psalms. Right? <laughs> yeah, because he wrote half the Psalms. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so then we know that's the first part of why David was a man after God's own heart. And because he was a man after God's own heart, God made a covenant with David that was unique beyond just the Mosaic covenant. And part of it was that the Messiah would come through David. Mm-hmm. And so Jesus, from his lineage, he comes through King David's line. Mm-hmm. So David is the progenitor or the great uh, ancestor of mm-hmm. Jesus, biologically. Mm-hmm. Obviously the- not overall in the universe. And before David, so Ruth and Boaz... Um, were his great-grandparents. Yeah. So I think that is just really cool. Um, You know, when you look at the lineage um, of Jesus and you look at it coming through Judah down, you know, through Ruth and Boaz and, you know, the whole way down, it's just pretty awesome. Yeah, there's there's a lot of, a handful of women who all have very unique stories Mm -hmm. because of, what happened to them in scripture. And there are four different women who are all mentioned in Jesus's line. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then the, but the real question about King David is King David worth looking up to. I mean, we know he's a man after God's own heart, but he's also done some pretty messed up things. Right. So I think the way I, I look at it is that we all sin and we all, we all make mistakes. And he of course is no different. When you look at all of the, um, leaders within the Bible, they all had their own issues that they, they had to contend with. 
nobody was perfect. The only one that was perfect was Jesus and everybody else, you know, we're, we're trying to emulate him. Like we're trying to live up to his standards. Um, and we all far, fall short every day. And David is no different. And that's where my struggle has always been in trying to understand why is he a man after God's own heart? Like what aspect of King David made him a man after God's own heart. So what do yeah. you think about that? I think it's actually in David's greatest sin that we see why he's a man after God's own heart. He see he is away from battle, so he's already being a slack off. Because right, he was a warrior. I he mean, was he a was, warrior I king. Mean, he was a warrior king. and That's why King Saul before him felt threatened by David. Right. even Because even, David never wanted to challenge the throne. Right. David was willing to just let it right. be. Right. He wasn't going to force God's will. Right. But David was a warrior king, and so he was away from battle. So we already see him kind of not fulfilling his kingly duties. And then he is up on his roof, and he looks across the ways, and he sees a beautiful woman bathing on a roof. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't ask if she was married. He doesn't ask if uh, anything about her. She, he summons her, and he sleeps with her. Mm-hmm. And that is, in itself, sometimes we skim over the fact that as far as our modern mar- modern view is concerned, that's assault. David's in a position of power. She doesn't really have the ability to say no. Mm-hmm. Now, at this point in scripture, when David's a full man and, and she warrior, was married, and she was married to Uriah the Hittite, to Uriah yes. the Hittite. Thank you for specifying mm-hmm. that because mm-hmm. I left that dangling for a second. Mm-hmm. At this point, there is one or two mentions of David being an attractive young man when he's in his like twenties and thirties, and mm. he's beginning to well, rule. He grew into his manhood, I guess. Yeah, and so it's like maybe there's an aspect to it, or maybe she did she did she want was it. Attractive, like maybe to him. maybe mm-hmm. she was willing. Mm-hmm. But it's really hard, at least from our modern perspective, to really view true consent. And so there's an aspect of like, oh, David abused his power. Well, for sure, because he was King David at the time. Yeah, he was King yeah. David at this point. Yeah. And then and when... And he summoned for her. Like, yeah. It wasn't like... He didn't, yeah. he didn't go to her and say, hey, how you doing? Mm-hmm. Right. You married? Yeah, they didn't, yeah. You interested? He right. said, hey, come here. Mm-hmm. Right. And then so they did the deed, mm-hmm. and she got pregnant. Mm-hmm. And so then she sent him word, and rather than own up to his mistakes, he plotted to murder her husband, who was a warrior under serving under him. <coughs> a warrior who, as my mom mentioned, a Hittite, so he was a foreigner. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's maybe, maybe not overt racism by David, but there's probably some like more willingness to betray him and the army. Because David gives the orders for, hey, I want you guys to all go into the thickest fighting with Uriah, and then I want you to all withdraw and leave him to die. Mm-hmm. So there's there some of the soldiers were probably like, yeah, sure, like he's not a real like Jew, he doesn't really follow Yahweh, like he's not really one of us. So then he dies, and David marries Bathsheba, and then during that happens, Nathan the prophet comes up to David, and he gives them this beautiful illustration about there was a rich man and a poor man. The poor man had one little sheep. The rich man was wealthy with hundreds of sheep. And one day a guest came to the rich man's door and they wanted to throw a party. So the rich man took the poor man's one sheep, killed it, and threw used that to throw the party. And then David erupted in anger and he said like, oh, like, who is this man? Tell me who he is right now. Mm-hmm. Like he deserves the death penalty. Mm-hmm. 
And like, that's just over a sheep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. then David said, uh, Nathan, the prophet said, King David, you are that man. Mm-hmm. And David, heart, David's heart just broke. He mm-hmm. realized the gravity of his mm-hmm. sin. Mm-hmm. And that's how we have Psalm, Psalm 51. I believe it's Psalm 51, not Psalm 52. It might be Psalm 52. <laughs> Where he's, he's uh, some of the most beautiful words in scripture, what God desires is a broken, contrite heart. Uh, where David, oh, there's a little bit of an earthquake. Uh, what David wanted was, I mean, what God wanted from David was brokenness, was honesty, was repentance. David had the ability to say, Nathan, I don't care. You're going to die. And I order you to death. And any sort of scripture that's referencing you, I'm going to block out. I'm going to prevent that from being like David could have tried to do that, but he didn't. He owned up to it. He was the most powerful man in his kingdom and everyone loved and adored him. Mm -hmm. But one of God's people called him out and he said, I do answer to a bigger and higher and more important power that I love more than any of the other things that I have. And I think that's the root of why we see David as a man after God's own heart. When David messed up and he messed up pretty bad, he repented immediately. That's one thing that I, I think of when I read the Psalms, how repentant he was and how close to God he was. And you can tell that by the words that, that are used in Psalms, you know, like how he was so regretful for, you know, some of his actions and how he cried out to God and how he recognized how God was, um, you know, all important and it was most important to please him and not himself or others. Yes. And there's also just a brutal level of honesty. Like I've heard some mm-hmm. people dislike it, but one of the most beautifully broken parts of scripture is in the Psalms when David says something like, God, kill my enemies. Like that sounds for us really dark, and to some no, extent, not to for some me. E- <laughs> and to some extent, there's a level of reality with King David because King David's enemies wanted to murder him. Mm-hmm. Our enemies don't necessarily well, want to murder us. I was to say, yeah. When I say that, I'm not talking about kill them, murder them, but I mean like remove them from my, um, I don't know, from maybe. your life, from my life. Yes, yes. Yeah, but, but there's an aspect of like. David is saying, like, God, I want, like, he is not afraid of telling God what he wants in Mm. all of it. Mm. He is fully honest with God with his desires. When he's angry, when he's rageful, when he wants blood, he tells God he wants blood. But he also says, like, but God, I know you're with me. And so it's even in these broken moments when he's most honest, he says, God, I know you haven't left me. Mm-hmm. And I think this is, like, the pattern we see in David of why he's a man after God's own heart. Mm. He's passionate. He's repentant. He has the ability to abuse his power, but he doesn't. And when he does, he repents. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so David may have not been the best king, but he was the most moral king Israel had. Hmm. He was the godliest king. because, And that's the pattern of the book of Samuel's and the book of Kings. It's God showing that throughout all of history, Israel is just evil. Mm-hmm. And the judgment that they get from being led into exile, they deserve. Mm -hmm. But David was the one bright spot in that. Solomon was too. Mm -hmm. So was Josiah. It's most of his life. And Josiah Josiah was too. Mm -hmm. But King David was the true, like, he was the man after God's own heart. Mm -hmm. 
And that's what on, uh, ultimately sets him apart. But that does raise up this one question of when we think about what it means to be a man after God's own heart, can we look up to men like David, people who've made terrible mistakes, but have seemed to turn their life around? For me, I can look up to anyone who's honest. Like, I appreciate people that have made mistakes and admit to making mistakes. And mm. then I can, I can, when I say follow them, I don't mean the same way in following the Lord, but I can relate to them. I can trust them. Um, I struggle with the people who tend to always tell you what you want to hear. Like, yeah. I so struggle with people because I can see right through it. And um, one of the gifts that I think the Lord gave me is discernment. And so uh, that's why I've always been pretty direct, pretty honest, because frankly, I think that's the way we should be. I, I really do, because I think if we were, if everyone were truthful and honest, we wouldn't have a lot of the problems we have now. When you think about like all the politicians, they tell you what you want to hear so that you vote for them. Um, I'm not saying they don't have any convictions or anything like that, but I'm just saying some people, it's all about looks. It's all about, you know, um, what they want you to see. And you know what? The truth hurts. And sometimes we, it's incumbent upon us to be truthful to others and, and let them know what's really going on. And, and I know, I, I think I've shared this before, but that was really kind of my mantra pretty much my whole life. And I mean, it still is. Um, but like, you know, in my, in my job as um, assistant department head, when people would leave and after people left um, or after I retired, I, I can't tell you how many people that came back to me and said, the organization really misses you because they need you there because most people won't be direct and honest, especially in the workplace. And it's because they're afraid that if they are, that they're going to lose their job. Yeah. And, and that's a valid concern for sure. I mean, you know, I understand that. But I think that people, even if they can't do it, they can appreciate it. Like they appreciate that honest feedback. Because it shows that they care more about you and yes. doing a good job than they care about their safety. And and that's exactly what, what uh, thank you for, for saying that so eloquently because, you know, to me, if I'm being honest with you, it's to help you. It's like that tells me that I care about you, I want you to improve or, you know, be fully aware so that you can do whatever's necessary to make changes in your life to go in a different direction. Yeah. And when people just tell you what you want to hear or give you something to shut you up, they don't care about you. They care about themselves and the fa you know saving face and not having to deal with confrontation on a problem. So, anyway, I uh, I'm not sure how I got there, but you know we were talking we about we were, were talking about <laughs> King David, King and David, and and what's yeah we were talking about it can be admired to people who've made right. mistakes, right? Right. Uh, but I mean, even in that, we can see wisdom because I think some people can also struggle with people like that because. Honesty can be good, but sometimes people hide behind honesty so that way they can be hurtful. Well, and I agree with that. And and I know that there have been many times that I have been hurtful, but not intentionally. Yeah. It's like an unintended consequence. It's like yeah. I would never want to be hurtful with it, but sometimes it does hurt because people don't want to believe the truth because, you know, as we shared in the last podcast, we were talking about being unique 
And, you know, while we're, we're all called to be different, we, there is pressure in this world to be like others or like you envy others or what they have or whatever. Yeah. And, and then you um, tend to want to behave like them and so forth. And it's like, but that's not what we're called to do. Yeah, that's very yeah. true. Uh, some other good things. What can we learn from King David? And if you don't mind, one of the things I would like to share is actually about how his, uh, David's anointing and David and Goliath are related. Those stories no, are connected. No, go ahead. Go ahead. So we see the story of uh, David's anointing. We don't know how God views as a man after his own heart. Exactly. Like, it does not really right. elaborate. Right. They don't tell us in the Bible. We're making assumptions we're, here. We're making, yeah. we're making ideas. Yeah. But it seems to be related to why David was anointed. But with the way David and Goliath is almost like an elaboration of why David was anointed. Samuel came to Jesse's house, David's dad, and he looks to his oldest brother, Eliyahu, and he's, oh, he's attractive, he's strong, he's good-looking, he's all these... He's all these good things. We can anoint him king. And God says, nah, I look at the heart. I don't look on the outward appearance of the man. Because I'm not going to choose this next king like any other person would choose their king. And so then they bring the next brother, then the next one, and the next one, all the way until there are no more brothers. And they said, don't you have any more sons? And then Jesse said, oh, well, there's one more. He's out tending the flocks. He's like, not really even important. Which is also like, that's harsh from a dad. <laughs> can't imagine if my dad said eh, he's not really that important like you don't really want to pick him yeah that's yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs> uh but samuel said go get him he brought david and he anointed david and at that moment god had chosen david as king but then it transitions into one of the most famous stories in the bible the state story of david and goliath and a lot of times we read the story of david and goliath and we think like who's the goliath in your life or mm -hmm. things like that but what that passage is really illustrating is what it means to be chosen as one of God's leaders. Why does God choose one of his leaders? Well, when the armies of Israel were opposed by the Philistines and they had this great champion, the Philistines had an enormous champion, a nine foot tall champion with hundreds of pounds of armor, a 75 pound shield, a picnic mm -hmm. table for, uh, I'm sorry, a 75 pound spear, uh, like a picnic table for a shield almost. Wow. And as well as an uh, armor, <laughs> as well as an armor bearer that that was carrying some of the stuff too. None of Israel was brave enough to fight him. They all were scared. But David, as a young boy, came up here to bring his brothers like food and stuff to check them on how they're doing. And even then, Eliyahu, his oldest brother, says like, "Oh, I I know why you're here. You've just come to look at the battles because you think we're cool. You don't actually even are." care about why we're here or anything and david's like no like why aren't you fighting this guy is mocking yahweh mm -hmm. why haven't you taken his head yet mm -hmm. like i'll volunteer i don't care if i win or lose i will not let a man mock my god mm -hmm. and that's why he was brought before king saul because he had a volunteer who was willing to fight this nine foot giant <laughs> and then that's when we hear all about the stories of David and Goliath. Mm -hmm. And we even see some of David's strategy. Like a lot of people have this image of God using his mighty hand of pressing the stone through da oh, Goliath's no. head. Really? I've never heard that. Oh, that's, that's how I was taught it throughout all my growing up. 
But when you really yes, but when you actually wow. look at some Never of the the like the storytelling, it talks about how heavy Goliath is, how heavy his armor is. Mm-hmm. Well, David's this young middle school aged boy, or like mm-hmm. maybe ninth grader. Mm-hmm. Well, think of how quick they are. Right. Think of how much That's energy true. they have. That's true. He doesn't need to be a better warrior than Goliath because he can outsmart Goliath. Mm-hmm. Imagine if you have to turn to strike someone with a 75-pound spear if it's a middle school boy who's running circles around you mm-hmm. and you're wearing this hundreds of pounds armor and you're already this big, lanky dude to begin with and you have your one shield bearer who can't keep up because he's carrying a picnic table. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so David is just essentially getting Goliath dizzy. And mm-hmm. maybe there's an aspect to like God's deliverance of making that stone a little bit extra harder. But I, I mean, a good a good stone to the the head. <laughs> that's that's still deadly. But so we see David's bravery, his mm-hmm. cleverness, mm-hmm. his wisdom in battle, his willingness to step up. His well, I ref- think just the willingness to do it, like yeah. his his courage, like he was so courageous, courageous that he was willing to go up against this. Goliath, who was, I don't know, three times his size. Yeah, who made everyone else afraid. Who made everyone else afraid. And, you know, and then everybody's mocking the Lord and and really mocking David, too. Mm -hmm. You know, thinking that, well, this isn't going to end good. Yeah, I mean, that's, (laughs) and it's like, he even says something along, Goliath says something along the lines of like, oh, I'm going to feed your body to dogs. And, And then David just smacks back with like oh really well i'm gonna do that to you <laughs> well i like what he says here it said when um goliath mocked him and cursed him david famously replied you come against me with your with sword mm. and spear and javelin but i come against you in the name of the lord almighty the god of the armies of israel whom you have defied this day the lord will deliver you into my hands and i'll strike you down and cut off your head and so <laughs> what i like about that is he's so confident and his confidence is in the Lord. Yeah, he's, you know? he's not saying he can do this. He's saying God will do this. Right. And I know like in future years when he starts having problems with his adult sons and things like that, he was not so confident. And so I think that confidence and trust in the Lord is so necessary. And so I like to think that when I think about um, a God after man's own, yeah, a man after God's own heart, that that was the reason that that there was this confidence and trusting the Lord um, without waver. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's good. I actually think there's something you and David have a lot in common. Mm. I think if David were to take an Enneagram test, I think he would be a 7-8. Really? Well, yeah, because he was a musician. He was a songwriter. And a a big part of uh, the negative unhealth of 7s is... A refusal to address pain and well, conflict and, avoidance. And eight, the problem is lust. Yeah. So lust for you know. lust for power. Yeah. Uh, lust for yeah. yeah other things. Well, he lusted for Bathsheba. So. Yeah. And so that's yeah. why a lot of his a lot of his mistakes boil down to those mm-hmm. things. Yeah. But wow, being compared to King David—that's awesome. Only a little bit. <laughs> that's probably why I married a David and had a son David. What do you think? Maybe. You, maybe you do. Maybe maybe you are just subconsciously. Maybe I'm you're just channeling so much like, that. <laughs> you're just so much like King David. Uh, yeah, but David. That was why David was an awesome man. That's one of the things we can really learn from him. It's God showing us like what does He want in a leader? 
wants him to be a man after God's own, God's own heart, but a big part of being a man after God's own heart is being someone who's courageous, who's going to step up for God, who values God more than his own life, mm-hmm. who values God more than the other parts of who they are. And that's why when we see uh, later with Bathsheba, why how David was a man after God's own heart is after he had sinned, and he had all the authority and power in his kingdom. And he could just say, no, <laughs> I want to do what I want. Mm-hmm. He still valued what God wanted more than what he had. Right. And I know that, like, with regard to Saul, um, you know, he refused to kill Saul, even though he had opportunities yes. to do so, because he knew that the Lord would not approve of that. Well, and, you know? and it's funny, too, because to some extent, God even said, like, uh, or scripture says that God delivered Saul into his hands. In hands, right. So to some extent, like it, scripture's even saying like, it was okay if David did this because right. Saul That's was already true. judged. It makes you wonder like if that happened, but that shows would you, that have changed anything? But it also shows you how much that David is after God's own heart because he says, you're one of God's anointed. I'm not going to kill exactly. you. Exactly. That's right. So he put God first. He put God yeah. first in all things. It's like yeah. if God wants you dead, like God will take care of that. I'm mm-hmm. not going to kill the Lord's anointed. I'm mm-hmm. not going to betray the God I love and trust. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. And it's, I, I find it such a great thing to even think about of can we look up to like King David, people who make such mistakes, because we can, because there's so much wisdom we can learn from them. But I think it's like what you said, is are these people honest? Are they really owning up to their failures? Uh, you know what? I think that's the key. That's like, You know what? I think, like I said before, I, I really respect people that admit their mistakes. and Because we learn from our mistakes. And, you know, we need to repent. We need to ask uh, for forgiveness. And sometimes people don't accept it. Like, they, they don't want to accept your forgiveness. They, yeah. they just just like you know blow you off and that's that and that's and that's okay that's okay then they're not supposed to be in your life anymore and that's okay that's okay yeah i think to add on to david another part for those of you who are familiar with literary script uh literary techniques in scripture a big part of the book of Samuel and kings like i mentioned earlier is that god is trying to illustrate how even the best kings are evil and they, mm. make, they make mistakes. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, as we see in Chronicles, Chronicles is illustrating the exact opposite. Chronicles is trying to remember, like, what does a godly king look like? All the big sins that are mentioned in the book of Second Samuel of David, those are all of uh, David's worst things. But there's, like, objectively, if you could count on one hand all the bad things you've done in your life, mm-hmm. granted, those are pretty bad things, that's also still really good, especially when you live in a society that would do a lot, a lot worse. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, he only did what he did to Bathsheba the one time. Kings in that time would do that to dozens, hundreds mm-hmm. of women. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, how many wives did King Solomon have? Like 800? He had 700 wives and 300 concubines. There you go. As a middle school boy, I always thought that was the funniest thing in the world. (laughs) And now I'm like, one, I don't know how you lived, but also like, oh, that (laughs) sounds very difficult to manage. (laughs) Yeah. Definitely. All right. Uh, Is there anything else you wanted to touch on, Mom? Any other stories of David that really stood out to you? Mm, Not really. No, not, uh, not outside of what we've covered, other than we didn't really talk about relationship with his adult sons and and like yeah. what that was all about like um 
why did he have such struggles there? I know he had it with the one son who raped his sister. Yeah. Yeah. And I, so I think I think that's part of it is scripture is trying to show us that he wasn't a great dad. He wasn't necessarily a great mm-hmm. husband. Mm-hmm. As far as being a king goes, he may have not even been the best ruler. Like modern historians, I don't remember. It's one of the kings mentioned in the Bible that's like an evil king. They talk about some of the re- reformations they did. Uh, and like when it comes to like practical, like building things in Israel and things like that. But the whole point of scripture is illustrating David's mistakes. So that way people remember like, no, even the best of you isn't perfect. Right. And that's also why Chronicles mentions the opposite of like, no, we need to be like David. David was the best of us under David. We had peace under David. Even when we didn't have peace, we won our victories against the Lord's enemies. Okay, so in that vein, in um, the New Testament, where they're talking about John the Baptist, and and he, the Lord states that that he's considered the least in the kingdom of heaven, mm. and so it's like, how how do we reconcile that? You know, like how do we reconcile somebody like John the Baptist and all that he did to further? the kingdom of Christ, you know, um, how could he be considered the least in the kingdom when we're talking about like, you know, King David and just like, you know, and looking who we can look up to. Uh, John the Baptist says David's good, the least of the kingdom. No, 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 no. That John the Baptist is. Oh yeah. So I, I'm, I know we're talking about King David, but what you were talking about in terms of referencing him and that, the reason that you believe that he was a man after God's own heart was because of how, you know, he may not have been the best husband, the best father, the best king even, but he sought after the Lord. He was repentant and so forth. And, and so what I was saying is in that same vein, when we talk about John the Baptist, how could Mm. he be like the least in the kingdom? Oh, you know, well, I think my two thoughts on that, well, actually I guess I have three. Uh, one, the first is last and the last is first, or the least is greatest and the greatest is least. And uh, that's always confused me. Uh, and, and so it's like, oh, just that passage in general. Yeah. I mean, like I, that's always confused me. The first will be last and the last will be first. Like I know I've researched this before, but I'm, I'm still not. This is, this is actually really surprising to me because it's something you, I know you believe in strongly, Mm -hmm. uh, because this is yours and dad's leadership model. It's like whenever... Uh, the 2008 recession hit and his business no longer had janitors for a little bit and they had to start scheduling people to clean toilets. Mm-hmm. Dad scheduled himself first. Of course. And he made sure everyone mm-hmm. knew that he's going to do it and that means everyone else is going to have to do it. Right, because you when you manage people, you don't, do, you don't ask them to do anything that you're not willing to do yourself. It's got to be servant leadership. And that's that's the heart of what Jesus is saying in okay. there. Is saying okay. the, the greatest of us, Jesus... Mm-hmm. was willing to bear the sin of everyone. Right. Okay. And saying, and then the, the, so the least is the greatest. Jesus made himself the least and that's why he's the greatest. Got it. And the greatest is least. If you make yourself out to be the best, well, you're going to be bottom of the total. And pool. that ties back to what I was saying earlier about even how you speak to people. If you're honest, sometimes it hurts, but it's the truth. And I think yeah. that's the best way to go when you, you know, try to tell a story it, it kind of comes back. It's almost like a lie. And it, then you have to 
try to cover it up and you know you just be truthful yeah just be honest i mean i think to and to be sensitive to people like there's a certain way you can handle it but absolutely you, but still honesty in all things yeah the other uh quick thought was also when john the baptist says i am the least that is in scripture but that's also in a narrative portion where it's john the baptist's opinion maybe that is Holy inspired, and so that is for a fact. he's talking about himself. He's talking oh, about themselves. Okay, okay. okay. Uh, but it's also possible. Or no, no, no. I thought you were saying he was talking about himself. No, I thought the Lord said that. I thought the no, Lord no, no. said that he was the John. The uh, of, oh yeah, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. Sorry, mm-hmm. when Jesus said that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, I misread that. I was going to say if John the Baptist said that, well, one that Jesus didn't say that, but no, no Jesus, I, Jesus did say Jesus said that. that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. See, this is why I said I'm not an expert. I'm a seminary <laughs> graduate. But. It reminds me of one time I went to uh, My problem is my memory just isn't as good as it used to we're be. We're also so. pretty full on a delicious dinner, so oh. we're just sleepy and <laughs> in a food coma. I forgot the third thing I was going to say. That's okay. We can go ahead and wrap it up unless All you right. have anything else you wanted to talk about. No. Nope. I think we covered the main points. I would just say that King David was a great man. He is flawed, but when we look like up to great men or great women... <laughs> It's okay that they're flawed as long as we see where they're at now and how they've changed. Like I can think of a specific person who I grow up growing up, I looked up to him a lot. But he, in a sense, I looked up for him for his tenacity, his ability to lead, and all these things that I perceived about him, and that was Ben Roethlisberger. Mm. But in reality, he was accused of a, by a couple of women of something pretty nefarious. And I don't know if it's true or not, mm-hmm. but if it is true, he hasn't owned up to it at all. Mm-hmm. And while I definitely think in my own opinion that one of them was probably not true, I th- also think one of them probably was. Mm. And if he's denying that to be true, I can't look up to a man who won't own up to his mistakes. Mm-hmm. If he had owned up to it, went to prison, professed his change in Jesus and all these things like King David did, I would probably look up to him still. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you're just, you're, you know, just basically, um, I can't think of the word I want, but you agree with what I was saying before. Yeah. It's like, it's okay. You can look up to people after they've made mistakes. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's when people go after God, people stand up for God, regardless of their mistakes, that is when they're someone after God's own heart. Mm Mm-hmm. All right. Did you have any other final thoughts? Nope. All right. Let's, I'm going to share two Bible verses. Okay. The first is 1 Samuel 16, through, uh, 16, 7. But Yahweh said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance, Eliyahu, his oldest brother, uh, David's oldest brother, or at the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For God sees not as a man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. Mm-hmm. And then 1 Chronicles eighteen fourteen. So David reigned over all of Israel, and he administered justice and righteousness for all of his people. Awesome. All right. Okay. If you guys have anything you would like to share with us or any feedback, we would love to hear it, or whether it's conversation topics or anything else, you can send us an email at realworldpod at gmail.com. And please feel free to uh, like us or follow us or leave a review at anywhere, wherever you get podcasts. Thank you so much for joining us today. Have a great week. See you guys later. <laughs>